Hello, everybody. Just a quick disclaimer before this week's episode. As you know, we've been recording our episodes remotely lately due to the COVID-19 pandemic, so please excuse the slight dip in audio quality. I also wanted to give a shout out to all the nurses, doctors, and medical professionals working every day to save lives. Y'all are the real heroes, and we love you. And now, here's the show. From the beautiful city of West Hollywood, we bring you Film Forward, the official podcast of the Los Angeles Diversity Film Festival. Hey, hey, welcome to Film Forward, everybody, the official podcast of the Los Angeles Diversity Film Festival. We are wrapping up our coverage on the beautiful New Orleans Film Festival with an insightful documentary. It's called Closed for Storm, and we are joined by the film's director, Jake Williams. Jake, thank you for joining us today on Film Forward. Thank you very much for having me. And tell the audience about Closed for Storm. I just I love this documentary. Yeah, so uh, this is my directorial debut. It's quite an interesting film. I've always been interested in abandoned places uh, across the United States, and Six Flags New Orleans is like the apotheosis, the the one place in the United States to go explore. So to me, it was always a fascinating place, and I had seen that no one had really told the story uh, from a human perspective of the people who who experienced it and and knew it the most. I took it upon myself, and uh, and we gathered together some money and and started production on. Uh, on something that's been, for the past two years, a, a huge passion project for me. So yeah, I hope everyone likes that. So that's fascinating. So you're infatuated with abandoned places, and this place is, is very much abandoned and has, it's. I mean, it's really kind of a tragic story. Yeah. But yeah. did you go and do your pilgrimage to Six Flags New Orleans before you decided to make the documentary, or was it just something that you knew there was a story there before you even visited the place? Well, I think everyone knows a little bit about the Six Flags New Orleans um, yeah. story, especially if you're around the area or even live in New Orleans uh, yourself. Right. So I think uh, the urban legend around it has been circulating across the internet and through local stories for, for many, many years. And of course, I've known about it since I am fascinated in this sort of space of abandoned places. So I think I had always wanted to tell the story and it wasn't until we got the approval from the city to actually film within the park yeah. to where I actually knew this was going to be something a little bigger than what I normally do on, on the internet. And <laughs> um, yeah, and take it to the next level, essentially. I had wondered if you guys, you know, had permission from the city to film in there, you know, while I was watching the documentary, because I was like, if it's abandoned, who would know? You know, but yeah, well, there's a lot of people who go in the park illegally and, and we right. found many of them while we were in there. But yeah. I, I knew if we if we were going to do something at this scale, we were obviously going to need the permission of the city. We were going to need the proper permits to actually film inside the park. Yeah. One of my favorite scenes in the documentary is when you guys are going through the park at night and, you know, kind of going all through all the doors, you're finding yeah. all the park supplies, all the materials that have been left there from 2005, water damage all over the place. And I mean, it's kind of like you guys are going through the Titanic, going through this thing that's been destroyed by water and just left for dead. It almost kind of plays as a horror, <laughs> a horror scene. Yeah, yeah. And I think I say that in the in the film, too. I think I say this looks like a shipwreck because we're going yeah. through this office that looks like footage from, uh, you know, from an old ocean liner under the water. It's a fascinating physical representation of what happened. You know, it, you you see the water lines, you see the destruction 
of this room. And the room is untouched since yeah. 2005. So it's a fascinating and very grim look into the past of this enormous natural disaster and, and something that ultimately shaped the entire city that was pummeled by it. And it's so fascinating. Like, my friends, once you guys check out the documentary, you guys have so much beautiful footage. Thank you. And aerial <laughs> footage of the park as it stands yeah. today because it's still intact and it's still surrounded by just beautiful trees gorgeous landscapes it's a shame because there's so much potential and there's so much around it that can be used and it's just sitting there what was it like for you going there having always known about it and always having it on your radar finally being there and seeing what's around it and seeing that it's just you know sitting dormant yeah well like i said i've known about it for a long time so the first time driving my car from Canada <laughs> into yeah. the abandoned Six Flags New Orleans was extremely surreal, to say the least. I mean, just driving your car, driving your car through a theme park in, uh, in the beginning is already weird. But right. driving, driving your car through an abandoned theme park was just utterly unbelievable to me. So seeing the sites that I've been looking at online for for so many years prior was it, it was unbelievable and being there as the sun went down and and the gators start coming out of the lake and and the you know, <laughs> start slithering across the the midways it's like it's just such a different atmosphere than you could ever imagine you know i've spent a lot of time in theme parks and seeing it in this state mm-hmm. was yeah it was unbelievable really you ask your subjects this question a lot in the film, but I will pose it to you. Do you think there is any potential for something to happen with this park in the near or distant future? Do you think New Orleans makes a move to refurbish or revitalize the park, or do you think it will remain as it is? Well, yeah, that was one of the things that I, I was trying to take a stance on. I didn't want to take a stance uh, politically or say that this should happen or this should happen. You know, we talked to the people who, to some, may sound ambitious to what they want to do to the park. Mm-hmm. You know, a several hundred million dollar renovation from a private company is very difficult to come by these days. Yeah. I think the fact that Jazzland was built in the very beginning was sort of an anomaly. Stuff like that just doesn't happen. Private developments don't happen like that anymore. So, yeah, it, it's ambitious and... I think you could ask anyone in New Orleans, especially the people who live in New Orleans East, they want it gone. People right. don't want this blight you know, on the side of their highway anymore. This is like the theme of the film is, it's the lasting monument, the largest monuments of Katrina and the destruction that it brought to the city. Right, it's a, con- a constant reminder. Yeah, yeah, it's a constant reminder, right. So I think if you polled a lot of uh, the majority of people in New Orleans, I think they would all say that they want it gone. The issue is, how much tax dollars are going to be used to demolish it or build something else? Because, you know, we estimated it at around 20 to $30 million to demolish, just to demolish the park, just to, you know, get it to ground zero. So it's quite a conundrum to, uh, to figure out what to do with this property. Because of course, Six Flags isn't going to do anything. It's not their land. It's, it's the city's. So you would think it would be in the best interest to give it to private companies to develop it. But now, we're in a whole different landscape uh, economically, so who knows what's going to happen with that. So it's a really tough situation. And um, as the years go by, the city's just going to spend more money on security and and more money to keep it there. And, you know, that you have this enormous theme park that's just sitting there with no use other than documentary crews going in and Jurassic Park. <laughs> so, right. It's a weird thing for the city to be responsible for. It's a rock and a hard place situation, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, definitely. 
a swampy place somewhere. <laughs> right. Even more uncomfortable. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> How long did you guys film down there in New Orleans when you guys came from Canada? Because you guys got a lot of great interviews, very insightful from all different perspectives. You talk to people from who live in New Orleans East who have the view of the park, you know, in their backyard, essentially. Yeah, right. And then you have people who worked at the park and, and people who were proponents for the park, people who are proponents for bringing it down. So how long was your guys' production process? So we filmed the park. Filming the park was actually the first bit of the process. We filmed in, I believe it was June of 2019, which was a huge mistake. Don't film anything in New Orleans without <laughs> power and air conditioning right. in the middle of a swamp in June. Not a good idea, <laughs> but uh, well, we, we did it and uh, it was very tough, but we got that finished. We came back in September to film the interviews and we returned one more time in January of 2020 to get some additional shots, B-roll shots and all that. So the film was finished in about three weeks of work, uh, three different trips. And uh, yeah, we had everything we needed. Uh, finding the the interviewees, however, was quite difficult because not a lot of people are willing to talk uh, since they're still in the Six Flags or theme park industry. Um, right. And then also just tracking down people was was very difficult because not everyone's LinkedIn has their Six Flags New Orleans resume on it. So <laughs> it, was, right. it was difficult to track people down. One of the tactics we actually used was getting the people's names from the internal documents that we found inside the park. So wow. we were able to track some people down that way. Yeah, we sent out a lot of emails. Not all of them were uh, were replied, obviously. But yeah, I think the, the few people that we were able to contact and get to talk to us, I think they all they were all fantastic. Uh, and I think we got all the perspectives that we wanted from the people who worked at the park, theme park aficionados, and then, you know, people who actually designed and want to redevelop the property. So I think, yeah, we got a, a full circle of of the life of the theme park. Absolutely. You guys did a great job. It was a pleasure to watch because, you know, obviously we love the city of New Orleans. That's why we're collaborating with the New Orleans Film Festival. We have a lot of love for that city. I had known about Six Flags New Orleans, but I didn't know the history. Like I didn't know about Jazzland, you know, before Six Flags New Orleans. Oh, no kidding. Really? Yeah, I didn't know that it was that before. So it was a fun, like insightful bit of history for me. And then also just to, like I said, the footage you guys got of this, it felt like I was exploring it with you guys. It was a blast, but also quite heartbreaking to watch. I appreciate that. Um, but uh, yeah, no, it, it is, it's tough to to watch for some people. It's a, you know, people who even live in New Orleans East, they don't even know what it looks like on the inside. They see it from the highway. But once you see it on the grounds and actually go into the building, it's like, wow, that's that's sitting in, you know, the east side of my city. It's it really is interesting. Mm -hmm. Well, I recommend everybody at home. Check it out. It is available at the New Orleans Film Festival, which is running virtually now and it's running until November 22nd. So check it out. Visit New Orleans Film Society. Dot org. You can view the documentary. I highly, highly recommend it. We're going to take a quick break, everybody. When we return, Jake is going to help us out with our favorite segment, Give Me Three. We'd like to take a minute and give a very special thanks to our new sponsor, E-Minutes. E-Minutes is a company of entertainment lawyers who are dedicated to giving a platform to underrepresented voices by helping filmmakers form companies and other necessary legal entities. They're sponsoring a new award with LADFF called the Emerging Filmmaker Award and giving their services for free to the lucky winners. You can find out more about them by going to LADFF.com and clicking on the E-Minutes link. 
All right, welcome back to Film Forward, everybody. We are here with Mr. Jake Williams. He is the director of the documentary Closed for Storm, and he is about to give us three film recommendations, work that has inspired him, it's inspired his work. Let us get your first one, Mr. Jake. All right, first one. This is my favorite film, probably of the 2000s in general, actually. Quite a fan. It is The Social Network. Nice. From a writer... Aaron Sorkin. Yes. <laughs> Love the film. You know, I rewatched this a few months ago. I was just kind of like on a Sorkin kick. I've been on a Sorkin kick lately. Nice. And I rewatched it for the first time since uh, since it came out, probably. And okay. Yeah. What are we thinking? I think it hit harder for me and it was more powerful. Also, just seeing, I'll just say the damage that Facebook has done since, <laughs> since, since the film came out. It just, it had a heavier impact. And yeah, the, just the performances are so great. The writing is obviously out of this world. It hits hard and it holds up. Yeah, I mean, David Fincher was a great choice for director. I think David Fincher and Aaron Sorkin are the undoubtable duo that you cannot reckon with. I mean, The Social Network, uh, well-written, like you said, but it also it's also telling you a story that not everyone really cares about, per se. I don't think anyone yeah. was really going into thinking, oh, how is Facebook, man? I want to learn more about the origins of Facebook, especially now, too, right? Right. But I think the way it's presented and the way it's written, it just makes it so interesting no matter what what it really is and what if you even really care about the subject it it makes it interesting and unlike uh, you know his later work Aaron Sorkin speaking with Steve Jobs and everything uh, the newsroom and all that it, they, they don't really hit that mark but i think the the social network really nails that sort of turning a subject which isn't necessarily of topic or uh, or anyone really cares about and making it something that's very topical and very fascinating to watch and yeah i think the film nails that and of course that's something that i love too because i always like to take things that aren't really in the popular mind and things that people are thinking of and actually you know turn it into a, a story that may pique people's interests and i think well i think the social network nails that absolutely it does the yeah. other thing i love about it is how so effortlessly it, it starts so micro you know from that opening scene I mean, the inception of it, you know, comes from him being rejected by a woman. Right. To, yeah. and, and then not only does it go macro in the sense of the story and the script and what we see, but the themes of the film just become so huge. The more we dive into this story, it's an impressive feat. And it also plays around with, you know, is he an, an antagonist? Is he a protagonist in the story? It all stems from one problem which is set up at the like you said the very first scene and it all sort of snowballs into something much bigger and and i love seeing that sort of growth in the characters and what their mission is and then it just turns into this whole whole mess at the very end so yeah i think sorkin and uh and, and the director should uh, should come back uh and and do a second second uh film i think uh facebook is even more topical now and like you said it's uh, right the world domination they're going for is a bit uh, megalomaniac, I'd say. <laughs> yeah, for sure. The Social Network, if you haven't seen it, check it out. If you haven't seen it in a long time, check it out. It's worth a rewatch. I think it is available on Netflix now. Yeah, I think so. All right, sir. Let's get your second one. All right, moving on to second. Away from feature narrative film, I'm going to go for Going Clear by Alex Gibney, uh, mm -hmm. the documentary on Scientology. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm, I'm a huge fan of Alex Gibney. Uh, I've seen pretty much all of his films. I think he's a brilliant documentary filmmaker. And Going Clear, I think, was probably one of his best. I really liked the Enron one. I liked Out for Blood in Silicon Valley. But Going Clear, I think, really 
harpened in this message of going into like how cults work and the, the psychology behind these things and sort of breaking down how something that's so enormous like Scientology is, how that works and how it's become so mainstream in terms of building a new religion. I think it's uh, it's fascinating to see. And I, the interviews are fantastic. I think his directing and editing is brilliant. Going Clear, one of one of my favorite documentaries of all time, I think. Yeah, it's it's a great watch. And I, I'm not a rewatcher of documentaries often, mm-hmm. but I rewatched this movie like three times within the first year that I saw it, which is saying a lot because it's a very, like, I mean, it's a dark subject and it, yeah. it, there's a lot of moments of just really repugnant behavior and actions and and the using of people but his filmmaking is just so intoxicating and exhilarating and like gripping that i mean i just i watched it again just to just to study you know just to just to go to school but yeah it is it's a powerful piece powerful powerful piece I think it is. And I think, uh, you know, his newer work, a new one from him actually just came out about uh, the coronavirus and how, how the mm-hmm. administration was handling it and all that. I don't think it gripped me as much as these ones did, but I think Going Clear and uh, Out for Blood in Silicon Valley, they, you know, much like the social network, they take subjects that isn't really in the public consciousness, but they they take it and make it into this gripping story about how something so absurd and crazy is happening in our world right now and it's you know scientology is still happening to this day so uh yeah yeah, it's fascinating to watch absolutely going clear check it out everybody i think it is available on hbo max yes in fact i'm pretty sure it is yeah incredible incredible film shall we move on to the third (laughs) yes your third and final sir uh, third and final is actually uh, a pretty new documentary. I believe it was it was nominated for an Oscar, the 2019 Oscars, or maybe even this year's. I don't remember. <laughs> this year's gone by. Um, <laughs> right. This year feels like ten, so it's hard to yeah, right. Tell me about back. <laughs> uh, but my my last film uh, is going to be The American Factory. Yeah, which is probably one of the most prominent documentaries I can think of in the past two or three years. I mean, really, it is a a hard-hitting piece on the stark contrast between manufacturing, you know, in the older days to to now, where it's something completely different and and sort of paints a a grim future uh, of American industry. What do you think? You know, I'm I'm a man who always, I don't know, maybe this is a, a fault of mine. I just, I like to believe in the hope uh, for America, you know, I'm always yeah. like kind of pushing for the the positive, and sometimes you know that bites me on the ass. And documentaries like this are extremely eye opening to me and right, make yeah. me want to roll up my sleeves and get to work for change. But it is an, an extremely, extremely well done documentary and very, very eye opening. I think a lot of Americans should see this documentary because it's very informative of where we are, where we were. And where we're headed, and I think it can inform, you know, how we how we progress, where where yeah. we where we go. Certain emphasis on where we're going to, because it's mm-hmm. uh, like you said, it's very eye opening about what the situation is and and how it can become something totally different and uh, and sort of take over, you know, a, a complete industry in the United States. So, 
it's definitely something that a lot of people, especially who people who work in states that are more leaning towards manufacturing and industry of this kind, it's something to definitely keep your eyes open for it and get informed on because it's uh, it's pretty hard hitting. I had watched an interview with the filmmakers after after I checked out the film, and right. I think they said they had something like twelve. I can't remember if it was twelve hundred or twelve thousand. I think it was twelve hundred hours of footage that they were like cutting through, and it was like over three years. Yeah, yeah. they just had so much footage. They said we could have made eight different stories within this factory, <laughs> you know, because they were right. yeah, because they were following the factory intending to make a film on something completely different. But uh, Mm -hmm. from what I read, though, uh, you know, it just happenstance that this sort of started emerging. And as they were filming over these, like you said, three years, they sort of pivoted the story over to this. And uh, I think, well, obviously, I think they made the right decision. But uh, yeah, yeah, they made something very powerful, I think. Absolutely. American Factory. It is, I would say it's a must watch, guys, especially, especially just like after this year, having this year kind of like simmer and live with us and, you know, it's changing the way that we think and how, you know, how we need to approach a lot of things. But I think it's a very necessary watch and it is available on Netflix still, I believe. Cool. Jake, these are excellent, excellent three choices, my friend. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for making your film and informing the world and the audience about Six Flags, New Orleans, Jazzland. Thank you very much for having me on, first of all. You know, I know it's a, a much, it's a less important thing to worry about right now, I'd say, you know, especially given everything that's going on. But I think in the grand scheme of things, especially for New Orleans and the and the local areas, I think how the city deals with this property and, and how things work out with it is going to be very important to those people who who are actually affected by it, the people who actually live next to it. You know, they, they have to deal with this lights. Hopefully things go well. And I, I hope the city makes the right decision on, on this property. But I guess in general, it's it's a it's a very interesting story about how a, a modern day American theme park has uh, ultimately became abandoned. You don't normally see that in America. So this is one of the, the few instances where something this massive on that sort of scale has uh, has happened. So hopefully we told the story properly. And I appreciate you for watching. And uh, yeah, I hope everyone enjoys it. I think they will, man. I think they will. Our audience at home, you can check it out at the New Orleans Film Festival, available until November 22nd. You could also follow us on uh, social media and Instagram. We'll be plugging it and letting you know where you could check it out and everything. So once again, thank you so much, Jake. We're looking forward to seeing what you have next. Awesome. Yes. Thank you very much. Thank you for having me on. Thank you all for listening to Film Forward, and we will catch you next time. Our recording engineer and mixer is Anselm Kennedy. The podcast is produced by Anselm, Sonia Maru, and yours truly. Thanks for joining us on Film Forward, and you'll hear us next time.